The audio in this episode has some clicking that we were unable to remove, but the interview was so great that we couldn't bear to not release it. Thank you for your patience and enjoy the chapbook. We got a question from a listener and we had to go get an expert, like a goddess level expert. Today we talk with Robin Mura. Welcome to episode 38 of The Chatbook. I'm your co-host, Noah Stetzer. And I'm Ross White. Noah and I are directors and editors at Bull City Press, which publishes chapbooks and occasionally full-length books of poetry, fiction, and nonfiction. We started this podcast to celebrate our love of chapbooks, to go behind the scenes of the publishing process, and to highlight the folks who write chapbooks and the folks who make chapbooks. So, Ross, we were off last week because of our campaign, uh, the Dungeons & Dragons campaign. We were with a, an incredibly wily dragon that we were fighting. I was a paladin. I, I was playing as a as a kobold. Oh, I see. <laughs> right, yeah. right. It was very intense. And yeah. so we appreciate everyone hanging in there and letting us finish our campaign. While, oh, while I was finished very early. Noah's character <laughs> killed mine thinking I was a monster. <laughs> that happens more often than I like to Yeah. Admit. So I had to sit in silence at our Dungeons and Dragons table for <laughs> almost two solid weeks. Right. That I kept tough. myself busy with a lot of dice. <laughs> yes. Uh, in addition to our break, we've also had uh, somebody new join the chapbook team. Molly is here with us today. Hey, Molly. Hello, Ross. Molly is our intern this summer, and she is going to be producing an episode later in the summer. And so you may hear that voice a few times before we wrap it up at the end of the summer. So this week we're going a little afield from the standard chapbook sort of container that we've been using as sort of our guidepost. We did get a question, Ross, like you said at the top of the episode, from a listener and a really thought-provoking question. I mean, we spent several days kind of digging through the ideas that were put forth in these questions. And as you said, we, we found ourselves a publishing goddess, an expert that can kind of help us have a conversation around these ideas. So let me start by first reading the biography of Robin Mura. Robin is senior editor and associate publisher at Blair and has worked in publishing for more than 20 years. She has worked with all types of books, but her passion is for literary fiction and creative nonfiction. She is also a founding editor of the online magazine, South Writ Large. We are so happy to have you with us. Hello, Robin. Hi, it's good to be here. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have you. Normally, we wouldn't let anybody on this podcast who doesn't deal in chapbooks, <laughs> but we admire you so much and the work that you've done at Blair. I, I wonder, would you tell us a little bit about your background in publishing and maybe just tell our listeners a little bit about Blair? Because they all read chapbooks only. They never read full length. So this will be a, a brand new world for them. Um, well, Blair is a small nonprofit publisher based in Durham, North Carolina. And a long time ago, we were Carolina Wren Press, which was a micro publisher that mostly published poetry and, for your information, a lot of chapbooks, but also some full length fiction, memoir, and some full length poetry collections. Very, very small, uh, a, an outfit that put out, you know, just a handful of books a year. And that press was started in the 1970s as a feminist press. Um, I came on with them about eight years ago to expand their fiction list. 
Um, and in the process, uh, I was working with some board members and especially Lynn York, who is now the publisher of Blair, thinking about ways that we could grow the press and where we wanted to go in the future. And so we had the opportunity. At that time, we were being distributed by John F. Blair, which was a publisher based in Winston-Salem. And when the principals of that company were going to retire, we had the opportunity to acquire their backlist. Um, so we didn't take over the whole company, but we acquired their backlist and their trademarks and were able to combine Carolina Rim Press and John F. Blair to become Blair. So Blair publishes literary fiction, creative nonfiction, Regional books mainly focused on the U.S. South and poetry. We do full-length collections, and we're very proud to say that our poetry editor is Ada Lamont. You know, we do a lot of different things. We have a really quirky backlist that includes a lot of tourist books and just like weird and wacky nonfiction books that sell in gift shops and things like that. And those books sell perpetually year after year. And so we make jokes and say we use those books to float our literary fiction and poetry habit. So um, that's how Blair works. And that's that's what we do now. I've been in publishing a long time. I started out in academic publishing. I was a freelancer for several years. I did contract editing for some other smaller presses. And then I landed here about eight years ago. So the question that we got that we've been digging into was from a writer who has been publishing work incrementally on a blog and is now thinking about wanting to find a publisher and get this into book form. And the writer has started to consider maybe self-publishing, but wanted to make sure that they had exhausted all of the options for finding a, a publisher first. We set Molly onto some research. Molly, we, we sort of tortured you with this one. Tell us a little bit about what you found as you grappled with this question. There is, there is not much online about that. I could mostly come up with like blog posts about self-publishing in general, but that was mostly targeted towards poetry or longer prose books, not really a prose chapbook. So this, this writer is already sort of running uphill, but we, we wanted to get your perspective, Robin, as an editor who's probably heard this question before. What, you know, I've got all this previously published stuff that was on my blog. Why isn't Blair interested in it? Or is Blair <laughs> interested in it? What would you say to somebody who brought you a question like that? So I have had this question before. And, and what I do say um, as kind of our standard response is Blair is not really interested in anything that has been previously published as a body of work. So, for example, if someone has a short story in a journal and then collects that story in a short story collection, that's not something that we would, you know, exclude from being published because that was that one story as part of a larger collection. And sometimes even some of our collections, many stories or many poems have been published in different places. But when you're talking about a blog where someone has put out everything that they're going to put in the book, your primary audience has already seen this work, has already read this work and had access to this work. So your primary audience, the first round of people who would buy this book have already seen it and are now not quite as incentivized to buy the collection. Now, as with most things in publishing, there's a caveat there. Mm -hmm. If you have a blog that's wildly popular and you have 
a million followers, two million followers, and they are clamoring to have a physical book to put in your hands, then that's something we would consider. But that bar is extremely high. And that's what I say for self-published work, too. A lot of times we will get submissions from people who've already self-published a book, and then they want to know if Blair would like to republish it. And that answer is no, for the same reasons. Your primary audience, your, your family, your friends, your professional colleagues, um, all the people who you would uh, who would be like your first wave of buying the book have already seen it and they bought your self-published version. So it'd be a really um, steep climb for us to then release a book and start all over again and find a new audience that doesn't know anything about the author. So, you know, that that would be the exception. If somebody has a really strong platform, people want a book, people are asking for a book, or you you have additional content that wasn't online. But that's only if you have a lot of people following your material already. But in general, once you put something out on the internet, it has been published. And we consider that to be published because your readership has already had access to it. I was thinking about this question as it came across the the transom. <laughs> Such an old world way to say that when the question came in through email. And, and I was thinking a lot, Robin, of, of, of many of the aspects of your answer. And part of me thought, you know, like what what would I do as an editor or a publisher with a group of or a collection of items that were either blog posts or maybe all of these poems that someone put online, what could I do if I had those items and and I was in this person's shoes to make them more attractive to being published? You know, like I love what you talked about, which was the incentivizing, but also the stretch of finding a new audience when, you know, the a, a person's initial circle has already sort of been saturated with that idea. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it would have to be new material. It would have to be additional material. It, it would have to be, for Blair anyway, it would have to be something that we can really see a readership for and a marketability for because we have a distributor. We're distributed by a consortium, which is part of Ingram. So not only do we have to like something in-house because we're nonprofit, we then have to make sure our board is on board with it. And then we have to convince our distributor that this is a book that they should invest in too. So there are a lot of moving pieces there and it really does need to be either mostly new material or material that's never been collected together before. A lot of times when I get this question, it makes me wonder if there aren't some real misconceptions out there about the role of the publisher and how much a publisher brings a an audience to a book. Robin, I wonder if you would talk a little bit about that. From a publisher's perspective, what does the publisher bring to the table in terms of finding the audience? And what does the author have to bring to the table? In today's publishing environment, I would say the author brings at least 50%, if not more, to the table of garnering an audience for your work. And every author has to be really ready to self-promote, which can be uncomfortable to those of us in the literary arts who really are tend to be introverts and we like to sit at our desks um, in our pajama pants and work by ourselves. Um, but, but you do have to be willing to self-promote um, or else you're not going to find that audience. You know, we can drift back to... What I'm sure, you know, as they say, the good old days weren't always good as they seemed. Um, but, you know, we hear the tales of the great literary lunches and the, the writer 
picked from obscurity who goes on to have a bestseller. And that that can still happen, but it's so incredibly rare. Authors really bring a lot of their audience with them, especially if you're talking about something like a chat book. If you're talking about something like a book being published by a small independent press, that first wave of audience really is your family, your friends, your colleagues, people you've run across on social media. It's it's interesting because if someone were pitching me, let's say, a novel and they had a blog where they wrote about the process of writing or the process of getting their book published and had a big following there, that would be a plus for publishing the novel because there is a built-in audience where we can say, hey, you know, this person you've been following, their novel's being published and here's when it's coming out. Circling back around to the original question, you know, if, if all you're doing is the same material that your readers have already been reading, there is no audience there or not much of one. So yeah, the author brings a lot of the audience and the author, even the audience you don't have yet, you have to be willing to reach out to audiences. You have to be willing to literally, we tell all our authors, keep copies of your book in the trunk of your car. <laughs> so that if someone wants to buy your book, you can sell it to them. Or if you run across someone who need, you know, you want to have a copy of your book, you can give it to them. It's not that we expect authors to do all of that. We have an in-house publicity team. We have a distributor. You know, we find, we we do find, you know, probably at least 50% of our authors' audiences. But without the other 50% that the author brings, the book is not very successful. We're a nonprofit, so we love to have bestsellers, but we don't have to have bestsellers, but we do have to break even. And I think one of the other misconceptions is the amount of money and time and labor that goes into producing a book. It's very expensive and it's gotten more expensive over the last two years. We've dealt with things like paper shortages and printers shutting down and supply chain issues like everybody else. And it's, we put, I mean, it it depends on the publisher, but at Blair, we put tens of thousands of dollars into a book. By the time you talk about salaries and production and the cost of paper and, you know, all the other things. And so we, we have to break even on that money. (laughs) Each individual book doesn't have to break even, but somewhere we have, our books have to sell enough to break even on, you know, all the other things like keeping the lights on in this office that I'm sitting in right now. So there's a lot that goes into it that sometimes people don't think about. And I hear that sometimes when people are amazed at how expensive quality self-publishing is, um, and then you're still not getting the expertise of an editor or a publicity team or a distributor or anything like that. Most chapbook presses don't have nearly the setup and the resources that that Blair does. So, right. you know, when Blair finds 50% of the audience, if you're publishing even with a small chapbook press, sometimes the author is finding 80, 90% of the audience. And and yeah, people don't realize that right out of the gate. Right. Robin, I, I want to switch gears a little bit here and uh, shift over to the quick round. We've got five questions to give listeners a little more glimpse into who you are and what you're about. So if you feel ready, I thought we'd get started. Okay. All right. Question number one, if you could time travel in only one direction, would you go to the past or the future and why? I would go to the past because I love period costumes. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I would get to wear something. <laughs> I would get to wear something cool. Number two, Robin, what's the most Southern thing about you? Oh, that's hard. I might say my accent, but there are people with much deeper accents than mine. But my accent is pretty Southern. Um, maybe my love of tomato sandwiches with Duke's mayonnaise. Question number three, what is your favorite bookstore in the world? In the world? It's the one in L.A. that is like three floors and has used books and new books. The last? The last bookstore. The last bookstore in Los Angeles. And I'm sorry to not call out our wonderful North Carolina bookstores because we have a lot of them. But when I went to the last bookstore, I was there with really good friends and we stayed there a long time and we fooled around and took pictures. So that's going to have to be my favorite. It's one of my favorites, too. I've made my own journey there. Question number four. Who is an underrated author not published by Blair that folks should know all about? Marie Manila, who wrote a beautiful, wonderful, part literary, part speculative novel called The Patron Saint of Ugly. And question number five, Robin, what are some upcoming Blair books that our listeners should know about? Um, we have two really exciting books coming in the fall. Uh, we have more than two coming in the fall, but I would like to highlight one, which is called A Girlhood Letter to My Transgender Daughter. And it's written by a New York Times bestselling author who is writing this book under a pen name to protect the identity of her transgender daughter, who's still a minor. But it is just a beautiful, gorgeous memoir of raising um, her daughter in the midst of danger because when her daughter came out at a very young age and I use came out loosely because, and you'll have to read the book to find out about that, but they were living in a conservative Southern state when they allowed their daughter to transition as she had been asking for a long time. And they were subsequently investigated by the department of social services. And the memoir follows the saga of them basically pulling up roots for them and their other three children. It's a book about parenting and allowing your child to be whoever they are. Then we also have a historical fiction novel that's set in South Carolina in the early 1960s and takes place in a town where there is a nuclear materials plant. And all these researchers have come from all over the country and they've brought their families and it focuses on one family. You slowly realize the little boy is terrified because he thinks the Russians are dropping the bomb any minute because of the work his father does and what he hears all the time. It's, it's a really exciting book, it, and it is masterfully written. It's by Sierra McElroy, and you will hear more about her in the future, I'm sure. We're going to have links to Blair Publisher and Robin's socials in the show notes, so catch them there. If you've already subscribed to The Chatbook, be sure to tell all your friends. Let them know we're on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, over, we're at all the major pod places, and tell your friends to subscribe. If you have a moment, let us know what you think. Rate us five stars and send in your ideas, your questions, your suggestions. They may just become a whole episode with a goddess level guest. Send those to chapbook at bullcitypress.com. The best way to find out what we're up to is to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bull City Press or visit the Bull City Press website at bullcitypress.com. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at DC Noah. And you can find me at Ross White. Robin Mura. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It was fun.
And Molly, welcome to the team. We'll be hearing your voice again in future episodes. Yay. Thank you guys so much. Thanks everyone for joining us this week. We'll catch you next time. 